Well, welcome to Northridge. We're so glad that you are here. Um, I can tell that the Badgers played late last night, um, not only from when everybody got here or how they got here or what we look like when we got No, I'm just kidding. It's not what you look at. But I know how I feel because I stayed up through overtime last night as well yelling at the TV, so I'm hoping my voice holds out for both services this morning. Uh, But we are glad that you're here, and um, for those of you who are here for the first time, I know we have several, and we usually do every Sunday, and we love that, Um, but we want you to know a couple of things. One, we want to say welcome to you. We're very, very glad that you're here. And um, the second thing that we want you to know, and this is really important to us, is that this is a safe place for you. That's really, really important for us. to to let you know that because this really is a safe place. Uh, No matter where you're at with God, maybe you've been walking with God for a long time, maybe you're just starting a relationship with God, maybe you're here and you don't know if you have a relationship with God. You're not even sure what that looks like. Maybe you're here and you say, I'm not even sure if I want a relationship with God. No matter where you're at on that spectrum, we're glad you're here and this is a safe place for you. We just invite you to journey with us and find what it means to follow Christ on a regular, daily basis. Um, Well, today, uh, we're going to start out a little bit different this morning, uh, because I'm going to ask you to do something here in just a minute. It's very simple, so don't get scared. I know whenever I say that, uh, I see eyes, they kind of get bigger, all right? And so don't worry, I'm not going to do anything scary with you this morning, but I'm just going to ask you to, in in just a minute, I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. And the reason I'm going to ask you to do that is because I'm going to ask you a question, Uh, a question that's, it's not really an intense question, But it's a question I think you may have a better time thinking about the answer to this question without me, you know, doing whatever I'm doing up here. Uh, And so closing your eyes might just help. So so if you would, just go ahead and close your eyes for just a minute. And I want to ask you this question. When I say the word rest, what comes to your mind? When I say the word rest, Peace. What comes to your mind? Either one of those words. Think about the word rest. Think about the word peace. Okay, you can open your eyes. All right, so probably the vast majority of us in here, those of us that didn't fall asleep during that few seconds because we were up late last night yelling at the Badgers um, or yelling for the Badgers, all right, and they played great. That was good. But most of us, we probably had a mental picture or something that came to our mind, didn't we? Now, for everybody in here, it was probably different because what is rest and peace in my mind is probably not the exact same thing that it is in your minds. So all across the room this morning, we most likely had several different thoughts. Some of you maybe thought of a place. Some of you thought of like a warm place. It wasn't Wisconsin. Some of you thought of a state or maybe a park here in Wisconsin. Maybe some of you thought of a person that you enjoy being with that just just brings you to peace. It helps you. That person helps you rest. Maybe it's a a certain thing that you do. Maybe it's reading a book. Maybe it's sitting next to water. Uh, Maybe I don't know what it is for you, but all of us in here probably had a different version, a different idea of what rest and peace is to us. Well, why do I start that this morning? The reason I start that is because today we're starting a brand new series called Recharge. Okay? This is a little bit different than, okay, it's completely different from the series that we just came off of, which is Double Dog Dare. 
right? I mean, we double dog dare you to do unbelievably, incredibly intense things, things that could change your life. And let me just tell you, by the way, on the heels of that series, we have people doing some pretty amazing things, winning some really key battles in their life, things that they have struggled with for years. And I'm really excited about that. That's why we do those kinds of series. But this series is a little bit different in that we are trying to take some moments to pause. And we are looking at what it means to recharge in our life, to truly find rest, to truly find peace. Doesn't that sound good? Rest and peace. It's a thing that is hard to find in our culture. And so what we're going to do in this series is we're simply saying, what does it mean? What does it look like? How do we find rest and peace in our lives? Well, when we talk about rest and peace, we could talk about a lot of different kinds of rest and peace. We could talk about physical rest. And and we know that physical rest is, is one of those things that's required. It's one of those things that we, I think, have a little less of. Because the Badgers played last night, I know I do. I normally get to bed at a certain time on Saturday night, so I'm feeling good and ready to go. This morning, I feel a little bit less than that because I got less sleep than I normally do on a Saturday night. But we all know that we need physical rest, whether it's sleep, whether it's sitting down every now and then, um, whether it's just a, a break from things. We all know we need physical rest. We all know we need sleep, for example. Uh, and to give you this illustration, in 1964, there was a guy named Randy Gardner. And Randy Gardner was a younger guy, and they decided to do a study with him. I don't know if he came up with it or if scientists came up with this, but they decided to do a sleep deprivation thing. And, uh, and again, Randy maybe came up with this, and like, hey, I want to do this. And, you know, and they're like, well, cool, we'll study you too while you do that. And so they got some people together and some scientists and all this stuff, and he decided he was going to stay awake for as long as he possibly could. No sleep at all. And he went for several days. You want to you guess? You don't have to say it out loud, but, but how many days do you think he went? Just think about that. How many days do you think you could go without sleeping at all? I mean, not even a couple minutes, not cat naps, nothing, zero sleep. You know how far he went? 11 days, 24 minutes. Yeah, 11 days days and 24 minutes, okay? Now, what they did is they, of course, studied it. And as he got further and further on in this amount of time with zero sleep, I mean, no sleep at all, and they had somebody with him all the time, 24-7, they were watching him to make sure he did not sleep. Now, of course, there are some times when he kind of almost blacked out and his eyes were open and he was kind of, but then, you know, he came right back. But they watched and made sure he did not sleep at all during this time. And uh, so they would do little experiments. And he had the normal stuff. He got moody. He was tired. Um, he was cranky. He kind of flew off the handle a little bit faster. So he had that normal stuff. But then he also had some other things happen, especially in the last few days of that 11-day period. Um, he, ha- he started having paranoia. He started hallucinating and seeing things. He started really having trouble doing just normal, everyday functions. In fact, this is interesting. I'll just share this one thing. Uh, I think I was, I don't know if it was the 10th or 11th day. I'm not sure, but it was at the end. They actually had, you know, different things for him to do to see how he could do without sleep. And they said, okay, we want you to start at 100, and we want you to subtract 7 repeatedly. Just keep subtracting 7 and tell us what those numbers are. And so, you know, he did 100, and he said 93, then 86, you know, kind of, and he just counting back by sevens uh, repeatedly. Well, uh, he got to 65, 
which is what you do if you start at 100 and subtract by 7, you eventually get to 65. And he just stopped. And they asked Randy, they said, why did you stop? He said, I forget what I was even doing. I mean, in the middle of counting backwards. It's not like he forgot what he had for breakfast yesterday. He forgot what he was doing while he was doing it. Okay? And so literally his mind, his body began to break down. You and I, God created us. We have to have physical rest. If we do not, we literally cannot survive. We will not be able to function. Physical rest is absolutely necessary. Another type of rest that is absolutely necessary is emotional rest. This is the kind of rest that we need, for example, when we've been with people a ton, right? When we, some of you, you work with people all day, and some of you, you don't actually like people. You may or may not admit that, but you're like, I don't really like, I would love my job if I didn't have to work with people, you know? And, uh, and some of you just don't admit that, but you, you feel that way. And that's not necessarily even bad. I mean, there are a lot of people that are like, you know, I just, I just enjoy being by myself. That's not a bad thing. But for, for those of us that are around people a lot, and we, maybe we don't get our energy from that, we need an emotional break, don't we? Those of you that work with people and you're not really fond of people, you're kind of like, what you need after that is you need to not be around people. You need an emotional break. For some of us in here, we love people. We gain energy from people. And so if you haven't been around people, some of you that love people, you work by yourself, like out of your home or something like that. And some of you, your emotional break is you get to go be with people because that's what energizes you. That's your emotional break. So we need emotional rest. But I just wanted to illustrate the fact that you need all those things, but they're very different. Uh, Two of my first jobs, um, you guys have probably heard of both of these because I've mentioned this, but my very first real consistent job, I did lawn mowing and, you know, some other stuff, random things. But my first real consistent job where I punched in, punched out, you know, I worked all day, all kind of stuff, was I worked for a moving company. I was, a, I was grunt work for a moving company. And so day in and day out, literally five days, sometimes six days a week, but at least five days a week, I would go and all day from seven until sometimes five, sometimes six, sometimes 10 at night, sometimes there were long days, I would carry boxes and be carrying furniture and packing and loading semi-trucks or unloading semi-trucks and putting them, carrying them up and down stairs, you know, all that kind of stuff. And by the way, these houses, they always had stairs. I'm not sure what was going on. And, they, and the ones that had stairs, like the biggest stairs, they always wanted the heaviest stuff up the stairs. Like, you always go, so where does the dresser that's packed full of bricks go? Uh, upstairs. Thank you. It's awesome. Okay? So, you know, I'm, I know I'm going to throw a few things out on this one. I mean, it was just, it was just one of those things. And, I, and I, I was younger, but, I mean, I remember that first couple of weeks, my arms and my chest and my legs were just just screaming by the end of the day, you know, it was by the end of the day. I mean, and the truck drivers that we worked for, they were very seasoned. They knew this. They said, make sure you do all the heavy stuff at the beginning of the day. Make sure you get all that stuff up there at the beginning of the day, because by the end, your muscles are done. And he was right. They were always right on that. And so we did that. But I was physically just exhausted by the end of the day. Now, another job that I had, and you guys know this, I was a public high school history teacher. And this was very different. Now, I was on my feet all day, so physically that way it was somewhat demanding. But more, far more than that, it was emotionally demanding for me. Because talk about being in front of high school students from about 7 o'clock-ish, 7.15-ish in the morning until about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. You have to be on top of your game. They're high school students, Right? So you have to be 
intensely focused that whole time. I mean, really on top of your game. And even lunch breaks and things like that. After school, you know, they would come and ask for help and ask for something with the assignments. That's normal. And so I was just, by the end of that day, because I was constantly focused, 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 I was drained, just emotionally, just exhausted. It was completely different exhaustion from the physical one. Now, why do I bring all of this stuff up? Why do I bring all this stuff up? Well, the point is this. After a physically exhausting day, I needed a different type of rest. I could take a shower and I could sit down on the couch for a few minutes or an hour or something like that. And then I could go out with friends or I could do that. I was, I was generally fine. With teaching, I had to take a different kind of rest. I could take a shower, but I didn't really need one. What I needed was I needed to not think about anything. I needed to literally go, you guys remember when I did the man-woman thing, like differences in our brains? I needed to go to my nothing box. I lo- just so you guys know, I love my nothing box. It's by far my favorite box. By far. Okay? There's a lot of other good boxes, but I love the nothing box. And it's really necessary for me. And I start shutting down if I don't have a nothing box uh, a little bit during the day. All right? And I go to my nothing box. I needed that emotional break. My rest time was requi- that was required was very different depending on what it was. So again, why do I bring all of this stuff up? The reason I bring all this up is today we're talking about rest and peace. This series we're talking about rest and peace. But we're not talking about physical rest at all. It's necessary, absolutely necessary. And it's something that, I mean, I, I, we can obviously very, very quickly tell if we don't get enough sleep or if we've been sleep deprived or if we don't get the rest that we need for our body, we know, we feel it, don't we? I mean, you know that you haven't gotten enough. You start falling asleep during meetings, all kinds of stuff. We know it. Emotional tiredness, um, that's not as recognizable, but we can definitely tell because we get our temper. We're moody. You know, all of a sudden we say something and somebody calls us out and you're like, yeah, I did say that, didn't I? I probably shouldn't have. And we know it's because we're probably emotionally exhausted, psychologically tired. So these things are obvious, but then there's another type of rest and peace that we need to talk about today. It's one that we rarely have at the top of our list because it's not as obvious. It's not something that's just blatantly clear in front of our eyes. It's the kind of rest and peace that for some of us, maybe it's not even not at the top of our list. It's not even on our list. And this is rest for our soul. Peace for your soul. A rest and peace that goes far deeper and has far greater implications and impact on your life than anything else we could ever talk about. It is rest and peace for your souls. Of course, Jesus himself talks about this. Uh, if you like to follow along in your Bible or on your phone, go ahead and turn to chapter, uh, chapter 11 of Matthew, the book of Matthew. And in this uh, book, Jesus is speaking. He's actually, these are his words directly. So these are kind of like words, they were written down, they were recorded. And, uh, and so we have his, uh, his real words here. And Jesus was talking about rest Peace for our souls. And I love this. This is an amazing scripture. This is definitely one of those that you might want to frame. I give you some other ones that you don't want to frame, but this one might be one of those. Matthew chapter 11, we're going to look at verses 28 through 30. Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble 
and gentle at heart. Have you ever thought of Jesus that way? He's humble and gentle at heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and my burden, or the burden I give you, is light. Doesn't that just sound good? Doesn't that just kind of feel like you should take some deep breaths and just kind of read that over and over again and just be like, okay, maybe all could be okay in the world at some point. I mean, that's kind of what that, this is a huge promise that Jesus is making to all of us. He's saying, come to me and and I will give you rest. Now, here's what I want to do today. Out of this three verses, Jesus tackles one truth for us, a truth that we need to understand about our soul, about peace and rest for our soul, and he tackles a myth. Very simply, it's something that you and I tend to believe, but is not actually true. So he tackles a truth, and he tackles a myth in this passage of Scripture. And I want to talk about those real quick today. First, let's talk about the truth, because that's kind of the quick one that's the obvious one. The truth is, Jesus says, you need to come to me. You need to have a relationship with me. You need to connect with me, Jesus says, if you want to find rest for your soul. In order to find rest and peace for your soul, you have to connect with Jesus. Okay? Jesus is the only one, literally the only one, you cannot find rest or peace outside of Jesus, outside of a connection to God. Why? Because Jesus is the only one who can give you salvation from your sin. Jesus is the only one who can give you freedom from guilt and regret in your life. Jesus is the only one who can actually allow you, can give you the power to experience peace that passes understanding. The Bible talks about every one of those things that I just mentioned. Jesus is the only one that can provide any one of those things. In fact... Those of you who have heard me pray, either for you or for somebody that you love, you've probably heard me, chances are you've probably heard me ask God to give you peace or to pray for peace for somebody else that passes understanding. Because we don't just want rest. We don't just want a peace. We want rest and peace that passes our logic, that goes deeper than what we can even understand is going on. Can you imagine the kind of rest and peace where you sit or you're thinking or you're in a moment in your life where you know all is good, even when all is not good? Can you imagine that? Can you even get there? Let me just tell you, a lot of us in here and a lot of people in this world, they believe that that is not achievable. By ourselves, it is not. But according to Jesus, it is achievable but only if we connect with him. So that's the truth. Now, let's go back because he tackles that truth. And that's an obvious one. We would kind of say, hey, that's probably, that makes sense that Jesus, we have to connect with Jesus if we're going to find rest and peace for our souls. But what is the myth? What is the thing that Jesus tackles that he says, hey, this is a myth. This is not true. Let's go back to it. it says, he says, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. Okay, so what is the myth that he's talking about there? 
Well, let me, let me just give it to you. Let me spell it out. This is the myth that Jesus is talking about. The myth is this. And this is something that a lot of people, a lot of us here believe. We believe this. And maybe some of you got this mental picture in your mind when I had you close your eyes. Maybe you got this picture in your mind. Here's the myth. The myth is that we believe that peace is the absence of burdens. You and I, we believe that peace is the absence of of burdens. Okay, let me give you an example of this. Uh, Laura and I uh, have some semblance of belief in this myth. We shouldn't, but we do. We have joked around with about every parent that we know that our one of our favorite times is bedtime. Okay, you know why it is, right? It's because that is one of the only times, if not the only time, when things are actually. And you just can sit, and it sounds like this. Ah. And it just makes us breathe a sigh of, ah. Has nothing to do with the fact that we don't love our children. Has nothing to do with any of that. It's simply that we believe a small lie, and that lie is that we don't have peace unless we are free from all responsibility. That's what we believe. We believe that myth. But did you notice that Jesus says that is not true? Absolutely false that that is how we find peace. Peace is not the absence of problems. Peace is not when we're free of all struggles. Peace is not when we have nothing to worry about. We think that that's peace, but that's not peace. Peace is different than that. Let's go back to the scripture again. Okay, what Jesus says is, he says, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens. You know who that is? Who is he talking to? Who carries heavy burdens? You know who that is? That's everybody. (laughs) Because we all have to do life. We all have burdens. We all have struggles. We all have issues. We all have problems. We all have things that we have to work through. Decisions that we have to make. How many of you go through every day and you know exactly what you need to do, exactly what you should do, and it all works out perfectly? You've never made a mistake. It's amazing. Like you are just, you you can't say, I am awesome. I I just really, I don't know how I could get better. (laughs) Anybody ever experienced that kind of life? No, of course not, because we all have burdens in this life. We all go through stuff. Me too. Almost on a daily basis, I'm reminded of my burdens. I'm like, oh yeah, we still have this problem. Oh. Thought we were done with that. Apparently not. Right? Sometimes me, sometimes my kids, sometimes whatever. I mean, it, there's always something. Right? There's always something. We joke about that. There's like, always something. Burdens. And so God, God is telling us, Jesus is telling us, listen, you all have burdens. And what the only way that you do deal with those burdens, the only way you're going to have peace, and the only way you're going to have rest is to get rid of those burdens. But here's where we destroy the myth. Notice what Jesus says after that. Look at to the end. He says, now take my what upon you? Take my yoke upon you. We could change that word to burden, which is what it is. Take my burden upon you. And then he says it again just to make sure we made sure we, we read this right. For my yoke, my burden is easy and the burden I give you is light. So what, what Jesus is saying is he wants to give us peace and rest for our very souls, for who we are, the direction that we're taking in life, what we're about. But Jesus says, it's not the absence of your burdens. It's the fact that you take the burdens and you replace 
those burdens. You give those burdens to Jesus. You trust him with your burdens, with your problems. And you take on the burden of Jesus. It's not the absence of burden. It's having the right burden. There is a massive difference in that. It is not having no burdens. It's taking on the correct burden. And it's placing the burden of Jesus on our shoulders. And that's what Jesus is talking about here. And he says, if you do that, I will give you rest. I will be able to give you peace. But there's no way to have rest and peace without having the burden of Christ on us. What is the burden of Christ, by the way? It's that we love him just as he already loves us. That we accept him, believe in the salvation that he's offered through the cross. And that we help as many other people in this life experience the same kind of love and grace and forgiveness that we do. If we are doing that, if we have the burden of Christ on us, Jesus promises us that he will give us rest and peace. The kind where we sit down, the kind where we go to bed tonight and we say, all is not good, but all is good. Isn't that an amazing thing? To have true rest for your soul. Not just your body, not your, just your emotions, not just psychologically, but for who you are. It's where you are totally okay with who you are, who God is, and where your relationship is with God. That level of peace is sometimes hard to find, but it's absolutely necessary. So how does this work? Because Jesus is saying, you have to take on my burden. And, and so we have to keep working, right? I mean, some of you are like, well, if I give my burdens to God, one of my burdens is work. So does that mean I stop? <laughs> I mean, I'm cool with that. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm putting my notice tomorrow. If it, you know, thank you. <laughs> I mean, some of you are like, yeah, this is some of the best stuff I've ever heard. So I heard from my pastor. I just need to give this to God. And so I'm just letting you know, this is my two weeks notice. <laughs> Because I'm just going to be resting from now on in my life. That's not exactly what God is talking about, all right? In fact, let me give you a, a verse, a passage of Scripture that talks a little bit about this. It's Psalm 127, 1 through 2. Some of you maybe never even read this. This is one that I haven't read a lot in my life, uh, but it's a good one. And it says this. It says, unless the Lord builds a house, the work of the builders is wasted. It says, unless the Lord protects a city, guarding it with sentries, or guards will do no good. It is useless for you to work so hard from early morning until late at night, anxiously working for food to eat. For God gives what? Gives rest to his loved ones. Now, now you might read that and say, well, that sounds like what you just said would be true because God is saying, well, if the God doesn't build it, then you're working in vain. Don't work early in the morning until late at night. It sounds like God is saying, make sure that you're a slacker. Make sure that you slack off and you're as lazy as possible because just let God do it, right? And, and so, for example, I mean, this is, you guys know where my mind goes on this. And so it's like the farmer, right? It's the farmer who says, okay, um, I heard from my pastor this week, God, and so I'm just going to pray. And, uh, you know, tomorrow I need, you know, that 20 acres to the west, I need that to be planted with corn and over here, uh, soybeans. And um, so God... I've heard that, you know, if I labor all day, it's just in vain. So uh, if you can get that done, that'd be great. And I'm going to turn on prices right. Um, here we go. Right? 
totally not what I would choose to watch, but what are you going to do? Daytime television, all right? Uh, I mean, so uh, it, it's kind of this idea. This is the, people read this, and they kind of get this idea that, okay, we need to give our burdens to God, and so God's going to plant the field for me. God's going to just take care of it for me. I don't have to work on my marriage because God's good. He's, he's going to take care of it. I just, I just, whoo, there you go, Jesus. Make it happen. Get her done. God, get her done. Thanks. Woo! Right? I mean, then that's kind of the, the mentality that we could get from that passage of Scripture, from that, those verses that we just read. But that's not what God is saying. There is a cooperation deal. It is not that we don't do anything. It is that when we do things, that we understand that our hopes and our prayers and our trust is not in how well we are doing we are doing the best that we can, but that we put our hope and trust in how that's going to turn out, the fruit of our labor, we give that to God. We ha- it's not that we stop working. It's not that we stop leading our family to love in Christ and to, to offer forgiveness and, and to be kind to people and treat people how they should. It's not that we stop teaching them those things and leading them that way. It's that we continue to do that, but we give that trust that it's all going to turn out like it's supposed to, we give that to God. Do you see the difference between just sitting on the couch and being like, okay, God, do it. Woo, here we go. Or I am doing the absolute best that I can, but it may or may not fail because you're in it and I need you in it because there's no way it's going to happen otherwise. That's what this passage is saying. Unless we give it to God, unless we do our work for God, it is in vain. It's wasted. We're simply just doing work. So our rest and peace does not come from not working. It comes from being able to trust God in it. Let me give you one final illustration to wrap up this morning that kind of maybe help us to understand this. Um, If you've ever done any kind of weight training, then you probably know that this is true. But when you do weight training, you, uh, there's a lot of different ways you can do it. You know, you do as many reps as you can. Some trainers will tell you, do as, get as many reps out. You know, say, for example, on the bench press, and you get as many reps as you possibly can, and you lift until you, can't, you feel like you can't lift again, and then you lift at least one more. Okay? Or some trainers will have you try to max out your weight. So they give you more weight than you think you can handle, your mind can handle, but your body can, and so you, you literally press as many of those things up. Why do they do that? Why is weight training that way? Why do you have to struggle to do that? The reason is because, and a lot of you know this, and maybe some of you haven't heard this, but the reason is because in your muscles, you need to actually tear your muscle. You need to actually tear the muscle fibers. The reason you need to tear them, and that's where the struggle is, the shaking and the struggle, that's why you have to lift more than you think you can lift. The reason you have to do that is because the muscle fibers in in your muscles, whether your legs, arms, wherever it is, they have to actually have little tears in them. You have to actually hurt them. Okay? And the reason you have to do that is because then those muscles, your muscles, what your body is, and God created this way, it's amazing, but God, how He created it is when you tear your muscle, your body knows, oh, Okay, that was not so cool. That hurt a little bit. We need to adjust for the next time that happens. And so your body rebuilds the muscle fibers and builds over it. And guess what? You add more muscle than what was there before because of the tears, the little micro tears in your muscle fibers. And then what happens? Well, you have more muscle fibers as a result. And so you get stronger. Okay? And if you do this a lot, then you look like a, you know, a balloon. 
I'm just kidding. All right, but your muscles get huge. Okay, you get that Arnold Schwarzenegger look or whatever. Why? You know why? Because he's torn his muscle a whole lot of times. Okay, and your muscles continue to build and build and build and build on themselves, and you get extremely strong. Okay, now there's a critical component to that. Just lifting does not make that happen. You have to have a period of rest in between your lifting. Okay, this is why most trainers will either alternate between upper body, lower body, you know, your core, abs, and all kind of stuff, because they know that your muscles need a little bit of time to recover. If you don't, then your muscles, all you're doing is you just are continually tearing, and you're adding more tears on top of other tears. Your body needs time to rest and rebuild the muscle. The same is true for you and I spiritually. All of us have burdens. It could be grief from the loss of a loved one. Some of us in here have just recently dealt with that. For some of us, the tear in our soul, the tear in our heart, is because somebody has done wrong to us, maybe a long time ago, maybe recently. And that's been a burden. It's torn our spiritual muscle. Maybe you have struggles in your family. Maybe you have conflict within your family. Maybe your immediate family. Maybe your extended family. Maybe there's a relationship that has been really strained or maybe even destroyed and it's really been a burden on you. It's torn your spiritual muscle. The reason that we must connect with Jesus and find rest is because so often we allow our souls to continually be torn. Ripped again and again and again and again. And we wonder, why do I feel so hopeless? Why do I feel stressed? Why do I feel so tired all the time? There's a real good reason for that. And one of those reasons could be that your soul has been ripped again and again and again. And that you've never allowed God to come in and to restore and to rebuild that soul muscle that's in you. The only way to do that is through rest and peace. Now, what's really, I'm really excited about is next week we have food for kids. And then in two weeks, we get back to this series. And two weeks from now, we're going to talk about, we've talked a lot here at Northridge about what it means uh, or that we should connect with God. You guys have heard me say that. I don't know how many hundreds of times. Okay, you need to connect with Jesus. You need to have a relationship with God. That's the only way to find true meaning and purpose and rest in your life. Okay, and we're talking about that today. But in two weeks, we're going to talk about what that looks like. We may even try to model it for you. What does it look like to actually connect with God? What does it look like to really listen for God's voice? What does it look like? What does it mean to hear from God about what we are supposed to be doing, how we're supposed to be living our life? Okay, some of you I know have been asking those questions because you're like, okay, I'm supposed to connect with God. How do you do that? We're going to talk about that in two weeks. And so I'm really excited about that. But to wrap up, if you want peace and rest for your soul, today or any day, you have to start trusting God with the burdens that are already on your heart now. I don't know all of those, but I know God does. And he is simply waiting with arms right next to you. He's ready to take those burdens and to give you his burden, which is easy and light.
and will give you rest and peace. But we need to trust. We need to trust in Jesus. We need to trust in God. Let's pray. God, very simply, ask that you would give us rest and peace. It is a very rare day and a very rare moment when we take time to just seek rest for our souls. We seek physical rest. We seek seek emotional rest, psychological rest. We seek freedom from our problems. But it's very rare that we sometimes just sit and we connect with you, Jesus. So I pray that you would give us rest. Give us peace. The kind of peace that passes all understanding. Peace that happens in the midst of trouble. Even when problems are there, that we have peace. I ask for that kind of peace for all of us, myself, everybody here in the worship band behind me, everybody sitting here today. I ask that for kids in the children's classrooms, everybody. Everybody that's a part of Northridge. I pray that even people in this community, in this whole area, if they have been seeking rest and peace in their lives, I pray that they would know somehow through your spirit, through supernatural, whatever, that you would point them in the direction where they can find that. Bring them here, God, to Northridge. That's fine, but however they find it, I pray that you connect them to rest and peace. Help us to find that today. I pray this in your name, Jesus.